All right, if you can make your way back, hopefully you've been able to greet a few people. Dave, I need sound people. Um, <clears throat> so yes, it is good to be home and good to be back. And uh, we thank you for your continued giving through tithes and offerings and uh, just allowing God to use us as the local church. Uh, there are the end of the year statements for the giving of 2022 that are being uh, given out. So just be aware of that. If there's any discrepancy, you can speak with Missy or talk to us and just let us know about that. But we do thank you um, for your giving in those ways and your support of this local church. Um, as we look at, well, the sermon, as we prepare, I just wanted us to think about God's goodness to us, but also not just God's goodness, but it's only good because it's true, and it's true because it's God fulfilling his promise, Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is a promise that God says that we will not be alone, but he's going to give us the power and the capability and the wisdom to go in his name. But Stephen was sharing this, and Stephen was one that, if you recall, earlier this month, or maybe it was last year, we talked about who was Stephen. Stephen was a guy that was volunteered to run a food program. Stephen was a guy that was just asked, like, hey, it seems as though you love God, you're following him, and you could be used in this way. Stephen was one that got kind of promoted through the ranks because he was available, and God had gifted him. And then Stephen was arrested. So that probably makes you, hey, let me volunteer next. I want to sign up. Like, what can I do? Like, hey, how can I be arrested? But his defense was to tell the history of the church. That's what he did. And so ultimately, well, I'll come to this ultimately in a minute. It's a drum roll. It's anticipation in the radio world. It's called a tease. So Stephen, when he was arrested, he says, hey, hold on. I'm going to tell you everything about the church history that you should know because it was the church people that had him arrested. And so before I went on vacation, I tried to tell the church history of this local church, of this uh, small congregation, of who we are, where we are, and how we got here in the whole fact that Jesus has been through it the entire time. The ups and downs, the highs and lows, the losses, the grief, the sorrow, the pain, the victory, the baptisms, the salvations. Jesus has had a plan for us the entire way. And so why would we want to divert from what God has done to do something that we think is wise? Let's change our wisdom to his wisdom. But this ultimately concluded with Stephen saying these words, you deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. Now, that's probably not what you want to hear when you feel like, wait, I've just been trying to do the right thing. I've just wanted to be available. I just wanted to No, you deliberately disobeyed God's law. Well, if somebody said that to you, you might get defensive, you might be offended, or you probably would get mad and say, who do you think you are? This is ridiculous that you would even talk about such things. Well, he was calling them out on their sin, but also on their trespass. So what is sin? Sin, you may have heard it before. I've shared it several times, and not just me, but others. So I didn't, well, I didn't come up with it. I probably stole it from research that's, or listening to other pastors that are more knowledgeable than I. That if you are an archer and you have a target, or if you're a dart thrower, if you miss the bullseye, you miss the mark. 
So that is sin. You missed the mark. Well, everybody sins, yes. But the difference is a trespass is when I see a sign that says no trespassing, eh, they won't find me. Eh, there's not enough snow to like, track me down. So trespass, eh, I'm going to choose to do this. Sin is missing the mark. Trespass is choosing to sin. So these religious leaders that had Stephen arrested chose to sin, knowing that God had given them a gift, knowing God's plan for them, but instead of submission and surrender to God's way, they said, no, I want to do my own thing. I have a plan for my life. I think if I do this, it's going to be more beneficial. I think if I do this, I'm smarter than God. Like, look, I can't even see God. I can <clears throat> I can see the effects of the wind, but I can't see the wind. We need to trust, but instead of sitting, they went that second level of they chose to trespass and do their own thing. Romans says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is a simple salvation message. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God is Lord, that Jesus came to save you, and you will be saved, that that sin, those trespasses, will be forgiven. They may have consequences, but they are behind you. God looks at you, and he doesn't see, oh, a sinner. He sees you are hidden with my son. Jesus, the Savior. Stephen urged them to stop rebelling against the Holy Spirit and turn to God with repentance and faith. This comes from the Filament Bible app. I like the Filament Bible because it gives you these study notes and it's a lot easier than a true commentary because it just highlights and because I was gone on vacation eating lobster and scallops. I don't know if I mentioned that. So I thought like this might be okay today. He was urging them to listen to the Holy Spirit, turn back to God, repent, and be full of faith for what God has for you. But the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation. They could not believe that this guy that was just serving food would tell them that what they were doing was wrong. It must be like if someone here, I know there's probably pastors here, former pastors or religious leaders that know more than I do, but if they said, hey, Jeff, what you're doing is wrong, I'd be like, eh, I hope I would not do this, but I'd be tempted to say, eh, thank you, but I'm the pastor. I'm kind of working this out. Like, I'm trying to figure it out. But instead of being humble, they were much like, who is this guy? They shook their fists at him in rage. Have you ever been so mad? You're just like, oh, I can't believe they said that. When the Bible says gnashing of teeth, it is like the gritting of teeth. You're just like, oh, a few times now do I get in that state, except at basketball games. I love basketball. I think I know about basketball, and I don't think many referees understand what the game is all about. I'm like, oh, how can you make that call? That's just ridiculous. And I don't like, but inside I'm like, oh, that's just, I'm infuriated. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus. You can say that out loud. And he saw Jesus. And he saw Jesus. And he saw Jesus in the place of honor at God's right hand. Wait, who wrote the book of Acts? Dr. Luke. Dr. Luke wrote the book of Acts as the first book, and then Acts was like part two. It was a sequel. It came after. So Jesus standing at the place of honor at the... Wait. I see Jesus standing. Luke 22. This is Luke, Dr. Luke writing. But from now on, the Son of Man will be 
wait, but from now on, the Son of Man, Jesus, will be in the place of honor at God's right hand. But we just read that, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven, saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. I see Jesus standing. When earlier, Dr. Luke said, no, he's seated at the right hand. Jesus' proclamation before his crucifixion was that even if I die, this is who I am. I am sold out to who God has called me to become the overcomer. So my friend Caleb, he's the one from Australia. He was a shorter guy with a big beard. They both were bald with large beards, but this is who I was with. And this guy, I love him to death. He's my best friend from college. Just everything. It's just awesome. But he was telling me about his job and what he does. And he used to be a nurse. Uh, he used to be a pastor. Then things happened. Then he became a nurse. And then he enjoyed being um, a nurse. And he was in the children's part of the hospital. What's that? I don't even, the children, the pediatrics. Yes. He was at the pediatric part. And he said it was hard. It was terrible. And you just started to look at these children with no empathy of them being humans. But it was, how can we stop the bleeding? He told a few stories that was just terrible, except the outcome was amazing. And I'm not going to do story time about Caleb's experience in the children's hospital, except now Caleb has moved to training, not training of students that are entering the medical field, but training of those already established in the medical field, those that uh, are doctors and nurses that go through this every day and they do simulations. And in this simulation, there's one where they go through with already established doctors and nurses, but that have never had to tell parents that their children passed away. So they go through this whole simulation and the, they know it's a simulation, but they make it so real, it's hard. And there is one uh, nurse that um, she could not get the words out of her mouth that your child died. And the parents kept saying, well, can I see my child and this person? Because they couldn't get themselves to the point of saying what had happened. They said, well, you can. And every time it gave this false hope that the child was still alive. And then they debriefed about it after. And this nurse said, it was so hard. I couldn't get it out of my mouth. And I just knew it was terrible, but I could not say. And they said, well, don't you understand? You kept offering false hope to this parent that they could see their child alive when their child had passed. And Another incident that happened, they kept referring to the child as an it. In the simulation, the baby passed away, and the uh, doctor went in and said, I'm sorry, it didn't make it. And all of the uh, trauma that would last because this doctor, this nurse, had already graduated. They did not have the training how to communicate appropriately Sometimes we do not know how to communicate appropriately because we haven't been trained. How amazing is it that Stephen had Jesus' example of when you are being arrested, of when you're being accused, of when you're being put down, of how to react. Jesus' declaration came before his martyrdom. Just like Jesus being arrested, he said, I am who you say I am. Stephen said, 
This is the truth of what I know. And if you don't repent, then you are not going to experience the salvation and the hope and the freedom that Jesus gives. And he told them, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They didn't want to hear such a blasphemy. They couldn't believe this person was lying. If you've ever been in an argument or a fight and somebody's just talking and you think it's nonsense and you're just so tired of it and you just cover your ears like, no, enough. I'm not. That's at the point they were because they were resting on their wisdom, not on the reality of the Holy Spirit wanted to free them. So they rushed at him and they dragged him out of the city and they began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. So let's try to back up. He's speaking the truth according to the Bible, and that's the only truth. It's not based on experience. It's not based on education. It's based on who God says he is through Scripture, and he's consistent by the power of the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth to us as is in Scripture. So they were so mad, they dragged him out, and they threw him down. They threw him into a pit, and by stoning, they took large rocks. It wasn't like the stones that you think of David putting in a sling and smiting. That's a good King James Old Testament word. Uh, Goliath kind of hides things from her kids from hearing like what really happened in the Bible like I can't believe that's a... so but what they did is they killed him because he spoke the truth he spoke the truth and they killed him but you go back to I see the heavens open up and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Just dare to imagine or think with me or allow yourself to put yourself in this position that you are just thinking about. I see Jesus. And because I see Jesus standing, this is happening to me. But fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. You aren't looking at the circumstance. You aren't looking at the people throwing the stones at you. You aren't looking at the people that are trying to harm you, that have lied about you. You just focus on Jesus. And as you see Jesus, he's no longer seated. May I dare suggest that Jesus was standing, cheering on his boy and saying, that's my son, Stephen, you're doing it. Stephen, it's all worth it. Stephen, I understand. Understand, I too was lied about. Jesus was saying to Stephen, Yes, I can't help but sit. There's also times in games and basketball events and sporting things where I get so excited that I just jump up and cheer. My sister, not known for her uh, basket making ability, scored the winning basket in a game and everybody got up and cheered because it's like, Whoa, she won the game. And look, it was Sarah. Like she made the shot. It was amazing. And there's some things that you can't help but stand up and cheer. And this is one that because Stephen's eyes were focused on Jesus, not a situation, not a circumstance, not who was accusing him, not what was taking place behind the scenes, not what he always feared, but he was so focused on Jesus. He saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with a sin. And with that, he died. Don't charge them with this sin. For those of us that grew up in church that have been around Easter services, and this sounds awfully familiar to Jesus saying, Daddy, forgive them. They they don't know what they're doing. Daddy, I, I came so I could be sacrificed that everyone would know salvation. 
don't, don't hold it against them. And Stephen had learned from the example of Jesus. Don't charge them with this sin. So for doing the right thing, Stephen got arrested. For speaking the truth in love that none would perish because that's God's plan, that people would repent and turn from their ways so that they could follow Jesus and freedom and healing and love and understand that know that God has a plan for us to reach out to others in that same way that we've been forgiven, he was martyred. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. So I don't know where you are, but I know it's awfully easy to get bitter and filled with unforgiveness. And you are so happy to be in church because you know that God loves you and he forgave you. And you feel so free and alive, but Satan knows where to get you. Well, you praise God on Sunday, but you know how you feel about that person. You know what they did to you. You know and instead of looking at Jesus, who's standing and cheering us on and applauding us and saying that you are my child, you are the one that I love, you're the one that I came for, you're the one that I saved, we start to look at those voices. We begin to look around and we start to fear the stones that are being thrown. We start to fear our deepest wounds. We start to look back at, oh, what if? And sometimes it's hard to be like Jesus because he's Jesus. But what if we could be like Stephen, who was like Jesus, and we said, God, forgive them, those that are killing me, those that are taking my message and twisting it, those that are against you. Forgive them that they might know salvation. And it was Jim Elliott who was a martyr and, what was his expression, his quote that he's known for? He's a fool to keep. He is no fool to give what he cannot lose to keep. He is no fool to give what he cannot lose. And then the opposite. Now I'm looking real bad because I had it memorized. Like, of course, oh, I don't need to write it down. He is no fool. Ever. Somebody has a phone out and you're already Googling something around Facebook. So just get off Facebook and look up the Jim Elliott quote. It will come back to that because we know anyway. So come back to that. But this was Jim Elliott that went. And Jim Elliott, if you know his story, they flew over this place and they just dropped uh, leaflets or tracks or flyers so people could read and know. And then uh, that's all the witnessing they did. And then when they landed, he did not get to share the gospel message once verbally out loud. What he had to do, what he got to do, what happened to him is not to preach, but to be martyred. And this is the story of Jim Elliott, whose wife went back and was used phenomenally in a way to see many of those who had killed her husband know the salvation that her husband gave. So I've given you a few moments. Do we have the quote, the exact quote? Thank you, Phil. So I will, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Christians 
Sometimes we are foolish, but many times we're perceived as fools. How could you believe something so ridiculous? How would you give your life to something that doesn't make sense? Aren't you educated? Don't you have a brain? Can't you figure this out? He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He fell on his, fell to his knees. And this proskuneu means worship, means getting on your knees and worshiping. It's surrender, it's vulnerability, it's... That's not the word here, to fall on his knees. It's the word of you can dodge boulders and rocks for only so long. And then when you're in a pit and people are surrounded, just throwing them at you, eventually you are going to get hit. And even the strongest among us, after being hit, will go to their knee. And it was not an act of worship, but in this death experience, he said, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. So everyone has sinned, and we all afford of fall short of God's glory. But he's given us Jesus that we might know life and know freedom. And when people start to point fingers, and maybe because there probably is a little bit truth in that lie they're sharing about you, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Focus on him. And maybe, just maybe, I, I do not want to be martyred. But sometimes I have this dream, this thought like, if I was standing up for Jesus and you could just picture God for a moment and seeing God just being there and his son standing up and cheering us on and say, you're there, you're doing it. I love you. I'm applauding you. I'm cheering you. This is the right thing. Keep going. There's something that I would love to see Jesus standing and cheering me on because I'm following what he's led me into. And we'll find that they threw their coats at the feet of Saul, one of the worst of them, who Jesus redeemed to write over two-thirds of the New Testament. Yet God and his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Worship team, if you would just please come. We have a couple of songs we're going to close with. but Yet God in his Yet God in his freely makes us right in his sight. It wasn't just Stephen seeing Jesus, but it was Jesus seeing Stephen. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. Jesus, we thank you for your love and your grace, for your hope and your help. Oh God, we ask for your freedom today for us and for those that we love, that we'd fix our eyes on you. And it's in your name, Jesus, we say thank you. Amen.